this 4th of July in the midst of backyard barbecues, long parades of marching bands and waving flags, fireworks shows that burst above baseball fields, and the wide open skies of cities and celebration, I stop to thank God for my beautiful country, for people who dream big, for leaders who work towards change, for communities that serve well, for the freedom to pray and worship. This 4th of July, as I stare at the glittering sparklers and smell hot dogs and barbecue, I stop for a moment and I thank God for a country that I love celebrates good and works toward the better. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Celebrate Freedom. We're so excited that you're in the house today. For the last two weeks, I've been making my way through Norway, and the reason for going was to kind of trace our family roots. It is interesting when you begin to find out just exactly where you've come from and what the roots have been. And so we went to Norway with that in mind, and you know, one of the highlights of the time we were there, we had four different family reunions during that time, and uh, they were so kind to us. They took us in, even though some we had not met before, family members there, they took us in, they fed us well, they treated us like kings and queens, and uh, what a wonderful time it was. But the highlight of it all, to me, all was in a little church in a little place called Miklimer. It's up in the northern area called the Yestedalen Valley. And as we went into that church that day, it's a church that is now a very small little congregation, uh, maybe 50, 70 people at the most is all that it would seat if it were to be filled door to door. This building, this church building is 360 years old. It's the very same church that my grandmother attended. It's the same church that is a Lutheran. She was baptized in that church. It would have been the same place that so much of my history all comes from in that Yesedalen Valley. But my cousin brought her accordion with her. She is a very fine musician and one that is recognized for her musicianship all across Norway has her own CDs and played with symphonies and the like. And unbeknownst to me, she brought that accordion with her as we went to that little church. It was not on a Sunday. She had the key to open the door. And there was only the five of us, my brother Wesley, his wife Diane, my wife Sherry, myself, and then my cousin. And so we were together, and she began to play Amazing Grace. I couldn't help but picture, maybe somewhere in the past, I would not know this, but maybe in the past, my own grandmother stood there in that little church in northern Norway, singing that very same song, Amazing Grace. And I couldn't help but think how important it is for us to know our history and to share that history from generation to generation, or it becomes lost. 
The first time I went to Norway was back in 1982 to meet family, and since that time, most all of the generation that I met at that time are gone. They've passed away. It's a new generation. It's, it's another line of, another, um, of line of cousins and so on. And how important it is to pass these, these stories and these messages down from generation to generation, because once they're lost, they can be lost forever. This morning, that's what I'd like to do with you regarding our nation. I'd like to go back and discover or rediscover America's spiritual roots for a few moments. Let's set the scene here out of Psalm 33. Psalm 33 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people who he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches over all who live on the earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his own great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Having had the privilege over the years of traveling in many nations of the world, in my estimation, friends, America is the greatest nation on planet Earth. Now, I realize this morning as a nation, we are far from perfect. And yes, we have our many faults. Yet despite these many shortcomings, we have been mightily blessed of God, and we have so very, very much to be thankful for. Try to imagine for a moment what kind of a world we'd be living in today if there had been no United States of America. There would have been no one to turn back the rise of the Nazis and their allies during World War II. No one to stand up against the tyranny of communism, enslaving the lives of untold millions. There would have been no one to stand up for the small nations that lack the ability to defend themselves, or consider the fact that billions of dollars in aid have been sent all over the world in times of desire and time of desire or dire need. As a nation, our missions endeavors. And the message of taking Christ to the world has been second to none. Now I ask the question, why is it then that America has been able to accomplish all of these things? I believe it is because we have a national foundation that was decisively based upon God and God's Word. It was from God's Word that our initial laws in this nation were formed, teaching us what is right and what is wrong. And that responsibility accompanies God's bounty. We learn these truths from a book. This book our country was founded on, which is the Bible. 
Listen to what some of our founding fathers had to say about this book we call the Bible. Thomas Jefferson declared, the Bible is the cornerstone for American liberty. Andrew Jackson said, the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. Abraham Lincoln stated, all the good Savior gave to the world was communicated through his book, speaking of the Bible. But for this book, we could not know right from wrong. All the things most desirable for man's welfare here and thereafter are to be found in it, speaking of the Bible. Now this 4th of July, Lord willing, we as a nation will celebrate our 247th birthday, also known as Independence Day. In 1776, our founding fathers, they framed a document that we all know this morning as the Declaration of Independence. The preamble reads this way. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Notice from the very beginning of this document, it says that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. We often forget that in declaring independence from England, that our forefathers made a direct declaration of dependence upon God. Independence from England, but dependence upon God. The closing words of the Declaration of, the in, of Independence declare, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, there it is, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. This vital document was not only a declaration of independence from a foreign tyranny, it was also a clear and unwavering declaration and that declaration is one of dependence upon Almighty God. I want you to consider with me for the next few moments this morning our nation's spiritual roots and our godly heritage. Back in 1620, before the men and women ever disembarked from the Mayflower, they drafted what is known as the Mayflower Compact. Here's what it reads. Listen carefully because this is my roots, this is your roots, and the roots of America. In the name of God, amen. Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith, do solemnly and mutually in the presence of God covenant and combine ourselves together. Notice they say right from the beginning, in the name of God, for the glory of God, for the Christian faith, for the presence of God, in the presence of God, we covenant and combine ourselves together. Then in 1643, the New England Confederation, they drafted a simple constitution stating, whereas we came into all of these parts of America with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and in peace. Notice it says, the very reason why they came to these Americas was for the purpose of the advancement of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties that are found in the gospel. 
America's earliest beginnings all points to a national dependence upon God. Listen to the words of William Penn. William Penn knew the importance of being ruled by God when he wrote, if you are not governed by God, you'll be ruled by tyrants. The Liberty Bell, which we've all come to know as one of our symbols of freedom, cast within its uh, bell is these words, proclaim liberty throughout all the land and to the inhabitants thereof, which is a direct quote coming out of Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 10. Matter of fact, if you were to go to Washington, D.C., and I would encourage you to do that, you can go to the Bible Museum there. It's a fascinating place. And in that particular uh, museum, they have a flyover. For those of you who have ever been to Florida, and you've been to Disney, and you've probably taken, you know, that flight that is a flight over the nation. It's very interesting. As you go there, what it will do is it will fly you over the, over the city of Washington, D.C., and it will pause for a moment and show you all the references from the Bible that are inscribed all over our city called Washington, D.C. So the Declaration of Independence, if you were to go back and reread it carefully, you'd discover that it makes four very specific and clear references to our national dependence upon God. Think of this. Of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, many of them had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of William Ellery. William Ellery said this, and he was a man of deep religious faith. He says, over and over, the Lord reigneth. I'm so glad that those that had a part in the founding of our nation, they understood that God was on his throne and that God knew what was happening here on this planet. He knew what was happening here in the Americas. And he declared, in the midst of times of difficulty, he would often say, the Lord reigneth. Friends, I declare to you this morning, God is still on his throne, God is still reigning, and he will never be deposed. That is our roots. Charles Thompson, another of the signers who was asked of what religious sect he was one day, he replied, of none. I am a Christian. I believe only in the scriptures and in Jesus Christ, my Savior. Think of the words of Benjamin Franklin, which of course was one of the key authors of the Declaration of Independence. He declared, here is my creed. I believe in one God, the creator of the universe, that he governs by his providence and that he ought to be worshiped. In the Constitutional Framing Convention, it was Franklin that made the following motion for prayer. They were at a sticking point and wondering just exactly what should be drafted and what direction this young nation ought to go. And here is what the prayer and the request was. I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? And simply from the beginning, Benjamin Franklin is saying, 
I know that this nation, if it's ever going to accomplish anything, if we'll ever be successful, will only be successful under God. America has been blessed with a rich spiritual heritage, one that is undeniably rooted in faith in God. And friends, I'm convinced that the only way we can survive as a nation is to go back to where we started, and that is with God. Now here's why we need to have a nation that is under God and under his blessing. First of all, God and freedom are inseparable. Freedom is the closest thing to the heart of God. God universally stands for, li for liberty and for freedom. You know, world history proves this out. The closer a nation walks with God, the greater the freedom that nation will enjoy. But the opposite of that is true as well. Just think with me for a moment of the nations that have forgotten God and where these nations are today, if they are indeed even still a nation. In the Bible, we discover quickly that whenever Israel abandoned God, Israel lost their freedom. I believe that Israel and America both have a lot in common. I believe that we're both brought out of bondage to proclaim the blessings of God to the world in which we live. Political scientists tell us that democracies, like that of America and of others, historically have not stood the test of time. Most all democracies have collapsed within 200 years. and They have fallen into chaos and into anarchy. I ask you for a moment to think about what's happening in the streets of America. What is happening in our own beloved city of Milwaukee? What is happening this morning all across France? What's going on in so many nations of the world? There is chaos and there's outright anarchy. And I would like to challenge that outcome of that nations and democracies cannot continue on beyond the 200 years. We are at year 247. And I would like to challenge that outcome for America. You see, I believe if America ever loses its freedom, it's gonna be first and foremost because we've abandoned God. And as a nation, we must renew our dependence upon Almighty God as the very source of our national liberty and of our freedom. So God is the source of freedom. No God, no freedom. Look at the nations that have said there is no God. Look at the nations that have said that you cannot serve God. The nations that have closed their doors to God. Those nations look at where they're at in the realm of freedom today. I do not want to be there. I want America to be free. I want to be one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Secondly, I want you to consider how America is dependent upon God for guidance and for direction. The first American Congress met in 1777. And at that particular meeting, there was this prayer for guidance. Listen to their prayer. This prayer in 1777. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, who reignest with supreme power, and uncontrolled over the nations and over the kingdoms, empires, and governments. Look down in mercy upon these American states who have fled to thee from the rod of the, of the oppressor. 
and have thrown themselves on thy grace, desiring henceforth to be dependent only upon thee. Give them wisdom in counsel and valor in the field. Defeat the malicious designs of our cruel adversaries. Be thou present, O God, of wisdom, and direct the counsels of this honorable assembly that order and harmony and peace may be effectively restored. Religion and piety prevail and flourish amongst thy people. And crown them with everlasting glory in the world to come. All of this we ask in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Savior. Amen. In the early years of our country, it is plainly evident that our leaders had no idea as to what this young nation would become. However, they did know how to seek God for wisdom and for guidance. And you'll discover that all of the, the documents talk about how they sought the face of God for this new nation. A friend of mine, by comparison, prayed not long ago at the state capitol here in Madison. He told me as he returned back home from that prayer at the, at the, um, at the state capitol, he said his prayer seemed like a needless interruption to the day's business. And his amen at the end of his prayer was like saying play ball at the conclusion of the national anthem at a sporting event. Friends, we need God in America again. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. It has already been read this morning, but let me read it one more time if my people... Notice this is directed not to the pagan, not to the ones that are on their way running from God, but my people, which are called by my name. If they shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I want you to consider how America is dependent on God for its protection as well not only for its guidance, but for our protection. You know, the security of our nation rests not this morning in the B-2 bomber, rests not in Star Wars defense systems, or even in the neutron bomb. Our only true security is found in the protection that comes from the Lord our God. If God is our protector, we are secure. However, if God is not our protector, all the military might in the world cannot save us. Israel is a living example of this truth. Think of the Six-Day War of 1967. They were outnumbered. They came from every direction, hoping to drive Israel literally into the sea and destroying the land and people of Israel. Or think of the Yom Kippur War of 1973. In each of these wars, there is clear and defined evidence of divine intervention. Matter of fact, they say that they saw angels above the troops of Israel. And they actually got out of their tanks. Many of the tanks were left on the field, running and full of fuel and munition. They were scared to death. They had seen the supernatural. Friends, I believe that God is the God of the supernatural. 
And I believe that God will protect in ways that are far beyond our own abilities if we'll only call out to God and say, God, we need you in America today. And I believe it is time for America once again to reaffirm its dependence upon God, not only for direction, not only for our freedoms, not only for these things, but for ultimately our national security. And I want you to consider how America is dependent upon God for its prosperity as well. You know, Abraham Lincoln once said, I recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all of history that those nations only, that's an interesting word he put in there, only, those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. You know, friends, if you've not you know, traveled much around the world, you'll discover quickly if you do that much of the world looks upon our nation with a sense of awe. For we have been universally blessed nearly above all others. These blessings have come from the Lord. However, rather than thanking and praising God for the many blessings of life, we have prided ourselves in our technology and even in our own work ethic. Friends, without God, nothing prospers. You can work hard, you can have the greatest of technology, but without the blessing of the Lord, it will produce nothing. Without God, nothing prospers. As a nation, we must renew our dependence upon God for our prosperity. Friend, I want you to know today how much God loves you, how much God cares for you. And God has a marvelous plan for your life. You might be here this morning and you've come and you're sound in body, you're strong. You work out at the gym every day. And if you don't work out at the gym, you're still, you know that you're capable, you're strong. You can make your way through life and handle yourself rather well. And that same individual might be saying this morning, and I'm of sound mind. I can direct my own life. I know what's best for myself. I know all of these things. But the Bible says this, that we're made up of three components. The first component's a body, the physical body. Our second is our mind, body, soul, and then spirit. If you're not operating in all three of these areas and operating at full capacity, you're living below God's plan for your life. God loves you. God cares about you. God knows this very moment, whether you're standing or whether you're seated here in the sanctuary, he knows exactly where you're at. I have three children. I have seven grandchildren. And other than my son John sitting here in the front row with his wife, Joni, I don't know where the rest of them are at. I don't know where they're sitting, where they're standing, what, you know? That's information that is so minuscule that I just, I don't know that. Matter of fact, it's so minuscule that I probably won't make much of my day trying to figure that out. God knows whether you are sitting or standing. The Bible declares that. He knows your thoughts when they're near and when they're far away. He knows your thoughts when you have peace of mind. He knows your thoughts when you're really struggling. God knows, and God cares. He cares so much about you 
that when we had sinned and fallen short, and the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and only a liar would try to, you know, deny that. We all know we have messed up. It's called sin. And rather than God just throwing in the towel and saying, I give up on you, he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came from heaven to this earth. He walked among us for 33 years. He opened blinded eyes. He forgave sin. He cast out demons and devils out of people that had been harassed. He did all these miracles, and how did they respond to him? At the age of 33, they crucified him on a cross. Now, Jesus was not in the wrong place at the wrong time, and therefore caught by a crowd that literally took his life. Jesus himself said, no man takes my life. I lay it down willingly for my friends. Jesus loved you so much that he knew that without his divine intervention, you would go to a, a godless hell and be separated from him for eternity. He said, I can't allow that. And so he came. He died on a cross. For the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he loves you so much that you have sensed, and I know this of an absolute assurance, you have sensed a tug inside of your heart. A tug that has been rather unique. Maybe it's something that's been rather recent, but nonetheless, you have sensed there's this tug of God saying, I love you and I've got a plan for your life. Why do you keep leaving me out? Why do you try to find your joy, your fulfillment in this world? And he's calling. He's saying, I love you, I care about you. And you can give your life to him. And you will find peace like you've never known because your, your heart is clean. Your mind has been set free from these bondages of whatever it have, has been. This moment can be life-changing for you. I would love to pray for you. Then I want to pray for my nation and your nation. And then we're going to honor those that have given so much that we might enjoy the freedoms that we're enjoying right now to be in this house of worship on this Sunday morning. Let me pray for you, first of all. Will you bow your heads? Lord, this morning, Lord, there's been the undeniable tug of your Holy Spirit. You love us so much that you remind us that things are not the way they could be or should be when we're not serving you. And when sin has its way, the Bible says it produces only death. The enemy, that's Satan, he has come to rob, rob you of peace, rob you of your family, rob you of your strength, rob you. But the enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But you've come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, I pray that these friends here today would understand it. I'm not talking about joining some church. I'm talking about coming into relationship with their creator. And once we have a relationship with our creator, then we want to get to know him more. All of that follows, but that's not the basis of our decision. 
our decision is we want to get to know you. If you would love us so much that you would call us by name, that you would not leave us alone, but you would keep on tugging at our hearts so that we would have the good sense to respond to that tug. Lord, I pray for those that sense that tug right now. Friend, all you have to do is say, Jesus, that's right, right where you're at, just in the quietness of your own heart in this moment, say, Jesus, I open my heart to you. I invite you to come into my life. I surrender my life to you. I'm so sorry for how long I've held you at bay. And I've realized that you only wanted to do good for me, and I've tried to push you away thinking I'd find good in the world without you. But I can see where the world's headed, and I want you. I want your ways. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I'm ready to turn from those old ways, which are a ways of frustration and only lead to death. And I give you my life. I pray, Lord, that you will be with these friends that have just made that decision. And I pray that you would bless them with peace like they've never known, joy. Lord, I pray that you give them direction, guidance, freedom, and brand new ways and areas of their life. Your word declares, whomsoever the sun sets free is free indeed. And I pray, O oh God, that they would sense this 4th of July weekend the beginning of a new and glorious way of living with the peace of God, the freedom of God. And Lord, I do pray for our nation. I pray a prayer that's very old, one that has been prayed over many centuries. Lord, while for all of mankind we pray, of every clime and coast, hear us for our native land, the land we love the most. O guard our shores from every foe. With peace, our borders bless. With prosperous times, our cities crown. Our fields with plentiness. Unite us in sacred love of knowledge, truth, and thee. And let our hills and our valleys shout the songs of liberty. Lord of the nations, thus to thee our country we commend. Be thou her refuge and her trust, her everlasting friend. And that we ask in Jesus' name, amen.